0: Uh, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. It's Pastor Rick here with you as we're continuing to venture into the book of Leviticus. You know, I figured I'd do something a little different this time and uh, start off with a little intro music. I hope you all like it if you're listening. Uh, so again, we are going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 18 today. And so again, just want to welcome you and I pray that, uh, that things are going well for you and you know when we look at this this book you know again we're looking at the ways of god we're looking at the heart of god the eyes of god and and i want us to remember that we are to be followers of those things right i mean we we look at god and we say that god is good all the time uh, but but yet we want to disregard sections of of his word and and so god help us to not do that god help us to be Observers, interpreters, and appliers—you know, uh, doers of God's word from every aspect. And so, this particular chapter of Leviticus, chapter eighteen, as I mentioned before, Leviticus was was com, uh, compiled from four different laws: from the ceremonial law to the uh, to the uh, judicial law, the moral law, the dietary law, and and so the one law that did. Uh, or ceremonial. I think I mentioned ceremonial law, but the one law that did uh, uh, stem from there to us in the New Testament was this: the 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 moral law. The moral law did stem from the old from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And what we're going to be looking at today are things that even the atheists and the common other people who have never even read the Bible or people that that have. Never been to church, or, or they want nothing with God, what, nothing to do with God. Look at what we're going to say today, or what we're going to read today, and say to themselves that, yeah, this this is wrong, <laughs> you know. And we we could look at it and say these things are horrible. These things are wrong. Why? Well, we think that's because we're good people, you know, and, and we've, we've caught on to what is right and wrong, and that, and that is very subjective, unfortunately. There's a lot of things that I've heard people condone and give ridiculous reasons for. But even the atheists with morals stand by what we're going to be reading here. But what we're reading here is the foundation of where it came from, from God. You know, he's the foundation of our conscience. He's the foundation of right and wrong. And so, the question is, as though we're going to agree with it, the question is, is will we actually walk in it? And so, I I pray we'll look into this with deep intent. Because, again, these are things that, that... Stem today to this day that that we would even say like yeah these things we should not be doing these things but but yet people have disregarded these things and so I invite you to uh, to follow along very closely and uh, again look, uh, to, to to follow along closely but after it's all said and done to obey and walk with God very closely and so that's the most important thing we could do is because again these are things that that just really are very important very important in, in our everyday walk in life because there's certain things here that, that, that these are detestable to God but they're also detestable towards other people these are things that, that that not just anger God but it angers God because these are things that actually mess with and destroy the lives of other people including our own lives if I've said it before, I'll continue to say it, being, being a studier, a student, and a teacher of the Word of God, that if people followed what it said, if people obeyed what it said, we would not be seeing the problems we have as nearly as much. We'll always see problems because of our imperfection and sin nature, but if we fought and if we tried to obey what we've been seeing, we would be in such better shape than we've ever been. You know, everybody says that they want to be happy everybody says that they want to be healthy well there are resources for us given here in order to obtain those things so the question is, is do we utilize those resources to be happy or to be healthy we can't expect to be on drugs and alcohol and, and, and say to ourselves that I want to be healthy we can't expect ourselves to be doing and saying horrible things to people around us and, and expect to be happy or, or to be ruining people's lives including our own and expect to be happy. God gave us the blueprints, he gave us the the foundation and the pillars to build the house of those things that we need in order to be happy, holy and, and and to be right with him. And when we're right with God, then then when we're when we obtain holiness, then happiness becomes natural. So let's venture. Let's venture right now into Leviticus 18. We're going to jump on the bus here, okay? And we're going to go through the terrain. And and I want you to, as we're going through the terrain, I want you to stare deeply out the windows here to see the terrain of where we're going. Uh, So uh, chapter 18, and I'm going to start us off in verse 1 through 5, it says, And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God, according to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do, and according to the uh, doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So he said that. He had to make that note. I think it was, what, three times? I am the Lord your God. So this is him speaking. You shall not... Um, you shall not take on. Now that you're leaving Egypt, you shall not take on the ordinances and the ways of Canaan. This chapter, this chapter is is the most uh, is the most exposed, if you will, of the uh, of the most extensive and directed towards that of sexual morality and other things. This chapter right here is the is the most exposed of those things of what to do and what not to do, and so again something to be paid very close to. Why did he speak of this of, of between Egypt and Canaan? Because again, he was he led them out of Egypt, so he led them out of one pagan pagan ran nation, and and they're going into another one. But they're going into another one to to start a new life they're not just going over there to pick up where they were from but they're going over there to start a a brand new beginning but the the, the people living there now will not be there will not be there for you know in, in due time and i'm going to explain that a little later in the chapter but see what what god did was he was moving them from one idol infested nation to another now in my outlook, if you've ever studied the ways of, in the culture of ancient Egypt and in the, in the in the ways of the uh, of the ancient culture of Canaan, which was you know more or less neighbors, I would say that one was just a tad worse than the other. And in my outlook, the Canaanites where they're going were a little more debaucherous. There were it was a little more rough over there. You know, they they were both paganistic. They were they both had many gods and all these other things. But I would actually think, if I were to do a comparison of the two nations, I would almost imagine that even the Egyptians would look at the Canaanites and say, like, "Gosh, what they're they're pretty twisted." <laughs> so it's kind of like going to a um, here in the United States. You know, we have certain states with some pretty rough big cities and And if you look at uh, certain cities that, that have the, some of the most highest uh, murder uh, rates and, and, and other uh, crime statistics. I've talked to people from both of those cities and both of them would say, oh yeah, this one's worse than that one and, this, and here's why. And this would be kind of like the comparison of Canaan and Egypt. Very similar, but but also, but one side raises the bar a little more in the aspect of debauchery, in the aspect of violence, in the aspect of sin. And so, he's reminding them, you shall not. Right? You, you shall not... Uh, take this and this I believe that it was 7 times that it was said in this chapter 7 times being the number of completion that you shall not do these things and we're going to go through those things and so it's very important because today we shall still not do those things right because again we we are looking at cultural aspects and unfortunately, we have become uh, very divided in the realm of of godly living or Christianity. There is there is now a very high aspect of cultural Christianity versus biblical and spiritual Christianity. And I've said this before, that when you look at the word culture, it is the first few letters of the word culture. The first four letters are cult. Okay, which a cult is technically a man-made religion. And culture is a man-made way of life. And and, and those man-made ways of life become developed and they become accepted. And that's what God was trying to keep them from. You shall not adapt to their cultish culture. And and so people are going to be like, well... What is their culture? Well, God knew what their culture was, and it disgusted them. We're going to see that in verses six through nine, real quick. Here, as I as I now elaborate the things that He's starting to uncover. In verses six through nine, it says, "None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your of your father or the nakedness of your mother, you shall not uncover." She is your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, uh, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. So, incest. Very simple. You, should not, you shall not uh, partake in any form of incestuous activity, God says. Now, we know right we we know that that what happens to people now i want to elaborate and, and and get something out of the way because i i know what people think for those that have heard uh, uh, the book of genesis People ask the question that, well, wait a minute, didn't they reproduce through siblings and all these other things back in the day? Yes, they did, because God had basically protected the gene pool of the day for this allowing to happen. Okay, God, God created Adam and Eve out of the dust. Eve was created out of the out of the rib of Adam, but from there on, they they produced and 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 uh, reprodu- They reproduced through the way we normally do. So yes, God did protect the gene pool, but there came a time to where it was that, that that had to stop. And God said that no more shall this be. Now now this will be done this way. And now if anybody might think, well that's pretty hypocritical, how else is it supposed to be done, right? That God God did right. God did what had to be done. And and so there was no issues during this time. But God, once there was enough people to uh, reproduce and uh, to create, then it changed by his hand. And so, you know, marrying relatives was prohibited by God. Physical, social, moral reasons. Okay, why? Because we know that that serious health problems come into play. Right? So, so it, it was, yes, it was immoral. Yes, it was, it was wrong. Why? Because of the things that happen. There, there's mental issues. There's physical issues. And so God forbid of these things. Right? How could a nation exist? How could a nation exist if the family unit is not well defined or well knit together? It, we, we would be an absolute bigger mess than we already are if, if, if we were <laughs> living in that aspect you know and again this was very common most likely in the canaanite region where they were going god is covering the aspects of, of what was going on in these areas now it says here to, to uncover his nakedness was a way of um, basically just sexual acts it wasn't um it wasn't uncovering their nakedness like in the way that um that Noah's uh, son Ham and his grandson Canaan did. Okay, when, remember here, this was a, <laughs> the grandson of Noah was Canaan, named after the region of where the Israelites are going to. Canaan was cursed, and his descendants were cursed. By Noah, because of what they did, Noah got drunk, passed out in his tent naked and and it was hammond and and and, and Canaan that basically laughed and pointed at him and, and made a made a fool a, a mockery out of him and so this was the this was the the foundation of how Canaan came about, so to uncover the nakedness is the form of uh, of of sexual activity versus that of of not just exposing somebody. And again, very simple. You should not you should not do these things. Okay, you shall not uncover your father's nakedness, your mother's naked, or anybody in your family. Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, his daughters. Um, took advantage of him i think he'd gotten uh, drunk and passed out if i remember correctly and and they said that we need to repro- reprocreate uh, through through our father because there's no more there the, you know the wife turned into a pillar of salt and so their outlook was is that we need to have uh, children with our father. Well, after they did that, they were the founding their children were the founding uh, father or founding uh, people of, of two canaanite or those certain Canaanite regions and other areas that became Israel's enemy, another cursed area. And, and so this goes this goes into so many directions of wrong when we partake and see the, of these things. Yeah, it's a, it goes into the direction of shamefulness. It goes into the direction of uh, physical and mental and and spiritual uh, downfalls. So let's let's continue. Let's see what else is said here. Let's look at ten through eighteen. The nakedness of your son's daughter, or your or your or your daughter's daughter. And and what we're going to do here is we're just—it's going to be the same thing, okay? It's the same exact thing that he's saying here. But here's who he's basically saying that you shall not do these things with: basically, your your aunts, your uncles, nieces and nephews, grandparents, grandchildren, siblings, parents, or the spouses of their children. So in-laws, if you will. Okay, so so these are the things that it, that it repeats in in verses ten to eighteen. It's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. But what in ten through eighteen, what they're explaining is is the people you cannot have these relations with that I just mentioned to you. Okay, so these are these are relatives in your household, relatives in your immediate family through the same bloodline, right? And and, and God says it, that it is wickedness, and so wickedness is, is uh it's it's a term that was that was uh it was found to be used 20 times in the in the old testament or more and and wickedness is a way of describing um moral morally unacceptable things but, but wicked is also a feminine term as well which is te- technically also used for fe- uh, in the form of how females were in their evil uh, but wickedness is a, is a Hebrew feminine word and so God is against all of these things right, see a lot of people want to and I want to jump a little bit into the New Testament here because a lot of people say that well Christ didn't uh, speak of a lot of these things well, no, what Jesus said was Jesus said that all sexual immorality is wrong. Jesus raised the bar. All of it's wrong. He he didn't pinpoint something that, that was a little less uh, sensitive to the other where he's going to be like, oh, I'll, I'll accept that but not that. No, he said all of it was wrong. And so that's what God is saying here, but he's giving it more specifically. He had to educate the people. You cannot do this, you know, with these people it is wrong, where you're going to go, you're going to see this okay, you're going to see this in in, in Canaan, you witnessed this in Egypt, now you're going to see this in Canaan and you're going to think like, oh, let's just adapt to the culture, absolutely not I remember reading something about a survivalist saying that um, that if you want to survive in a particular terrain, observe the wildlife on what they do, And, and I think people have done that, when they move to a certain area they start to adapt in the culture so that way they can survive and, and, and avoid solitude. and that's what God was saying. no, don't take on the if you can't beat', them, join them act. Take on that you can beat them by not joining them, and that's what he's saying. So it is your brothers. it's your family's nakedness that you are uncovering. It's not something that 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 we want to do. that's just that is something that that again. That God detested, and that came naturally through our conscience. Because I said before that there, you know, even even the most staunch atheist and agnostic people look at this and say, "Absolutely no way would I do such a thing. I'm a good person." Well, congratulations for thinking that, but we're looking at the foundation. We're looking at the founding father who created that part of your conscience, whether whether it is believed or not. We're looking at the, at the proof written down thousands of years ago when this was not part of a people's conscience in these areas. Now, now let's look at uh, some customary other things here that, that God is going to uh, uh, talk about here. Um, in verse 19 on, it says, Also you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. Moreover, you shall not like carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Moloch. Nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am I am the Lord. Now, the sexual uh, uh, part of the impurity. Okay. Now, now this uh, has to do with a lot of. Um, um, Ceremonial washings and so on and so forth But a lot of this had to do also with um, the, the, the female menstrual, uh, menstrual cycle, if you will They were not to um, They were not to touch their spouse uh, During this process And so this was part of, again, a reminder of what they weren't to do and again, we're we're going to look at the uh, "You shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife," which was one of the commandments that God said that you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Okay, so, um, you know, adultery of any kind is, is a major thing in the ancient Near East, or was a major thing in the in the ancient Near East. I mean, you were you were you were stoned to death, you were killed for committing such a thing. Okay, and, and so that was just something that people couldn't stop, okay? If you did that, you got away with it. There was capital punishment for it. So breaking the marriage covenant meant breaking <laughs> breaking your life, if you will. But the thing here, now I'm going to go into verse 21. Here's, a, here's an interesting kicker. You shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Moloch. Moloch was a god that people in these days in this area of Canaan used to sacrifice infant babies on. This was absolutely vile. It was a statue that had its hands out and they they would burn the statue to the hands of the statue to the point to where they would put the infant on the statue and burn it to death. And so, if you question, if you ever want to question why God wanted to take out the Canaanites after 400 years of giving them, of giving them a chance to repent, and them not doing it, this is just one of the many, many reasons why God said He'd seen enough. It was just, this was just one of the acts that they were doing. In in verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman, it is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourselves with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it. And the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. You shall not commit any of these abominations. Either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you, for all these abominations the men of the land have done, who were before you, and thus the land is defiled, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomit out the nations that were before you. So whoever commits any of these abominations, the person who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. And therefore you shall keep my ordinance so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you. And that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. You know, only God can handle such things. We as people, even with a moralistic outlook, are so disgusted with what we see on the news and your local news only covers a small percentage of what you see in your neighborhood. God sees it all everywhere. Nothing is, is hidden from His sight. And, and so, I don't want to be a part of what's going on here. No, none of us should be, amen? Amen. I I mean, we're trying to please God, and and these are things that do not please God. These are things that that, that burns God to anger, which got the Canaanites wiped out, which got other places completely wiped out. Abomination. He keeps saying abomination, and an abomination is not something you want connected with your name. Now, a lot of people do not like Certain things here that are said in regards to whether it be same sex or whether it be or in the forms of, of mating with animals, he said. It came down to first and foremost an issue of theology, and then it, and then it turned into an issue of biology. Uh, society creates bigotry, if you will. Bigotry is something that I've noticed over the years, which seems to be changing over time, of what becomes, uh, what was not acceptable to society is now becoming more and more acceptable to society. And And God help us, if we get to the point where murder and violence are going to be acceptable to society. And if you speak against murder and violence... Or adultery or any of these things, you're going to be known as a bigot. Now, that God help us if we get to that point. But see, we just read what God himself said. These are the things he detests of. If God said that it was okay to do these things, then guess what? It would be okay, but he didn't. Why? Because he is just, he is perfect, he is holy. And, and for those of us that are not just and, and perfect and holy, again, look at these things and say, that's not our thing. We wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Congratulations. Give credit to the creditor, which is God. It's the abomination. Okay? And, and so, God, God loves everyone. <laughs> he loved the Canaanites. He loved everybody was created in His image. Everybody was created... God ordained them to be here if you will but he didn't ordain their actions he's doing this to prevent and to pull us from I've said it before yes God loves you the way you are but he loves you too much to leave you that way and so these are things that are just again these are detestable and these are things that were going on in the area like it was nothing do not defile yourselves do not defile the land God said that if what he said here that if if you commit these then you shall be cut off from the people okay social disapproval if you will social disapproval means exile so basically I've used this uh, this term and this analogy before that um, if you have fruit in a, in a uh, batch together, I've said before that I like, I like to uh, eat berries, whether it's strawberries or blueberries, raspberries, and they're all in a, a batch together, uh, piled on top of each other. And I have to keep a close eye on my stuff because eventually a, a couple of them start to get a little moldy, and what happens from there? Now the rest of the batch is going bad because of those one or two items. So, yes, yeah, so, so again, God says eg- to exile. So I have to exile the bad fruit to keep the rest of it preserved. So that's what God is doing here. He's he's basically trying to preserve his holy people, his holy nation. And And, and so over the years, things continue to domino, right? I mean, I would hate to see what was going on before God decided to flood the earth because things were bad enough here I, I have to wonder what exactly was going on before the flood because God had really had it to where he said I've got to flood the earth and I'm only going to allow eight people to, to, to survive and start all over being uh, Noah and his family and that was part of the gene pool that, that, that I was speaking of that God allowed to, to, uh, to procreate And so here here's where we've come to. You know I I say all the time God is good, but I also say all the time that God is right all the time. God's word is right. If you've listened if you've listened very closely to what we've what we've read, you 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 can either say one of two things. You will either say amen, which means so be it, and or you can say well I don't like it and I'm not going to follow. Well th- this isn't something the word of God isn't something that we can just take little bits and pieces out of what we like and don't like. The whole thing the whole thing that is in here was not written because because of, of what these um what these men and women that, we, that we're reading about came up on their own accord. God gave them the revelation and they penned it for us. They were no better, no different than you and I. And so, but we are just called to an action from His Word. We, we've heard the term, you know, the salt of the earth. Right? And because... Uh, salt back in the uh, ancient days especially during the, the time when the Romans were very active uh, Romans got paid in salt Gold was uh, salt was worth more than gold we like to use the saying are you worth your weight in gold well the Romans used to have a saying that said are you worth your weight in salt because the salt was used to preserve to, to, to preserve their food and whatever have you so you know they didn't have refrigeration so they would take the salt and they would rub it on their meat to preserve the meat and that's what we're called to do to the earth we are called to be the salt of the earth to help preserve the earth which is decaying that's why God said you know for the land is defiled right and that's just it that's why God you know took out the Canaanites to replace with the Israelites because of sexual perversions because of the murder the violence and all of the things that we detest all of the things that we, that we look at and say, this is horrible. This was so much worse during this time even. that God had, That's why God did what he had to do. But again, see, God does not know sin, but he knows how to clean it up. And say amen to that if you're listening. Because he knows how to do the same thing in your life. And he did it 2,000 years ago with his son Christ Jesus who died on the cross for our transgressions and so now once and for all the greatest sacrifice was done all of the rotten things that we've ever done can be cast from us by the power of his blood shed on the forgiveness that he that he brings to us that he came on the sacrifice that's what that's what the bible says not me that's what his word says you can be forgiven If you come to Him and receive Him as your Lord and your Savior and to ask for forgiveness. And He will receive you. He's been waiting for you. He loves you. He wants you. You were created. You were already thought of. And He's got a place for you in heaven. If you've even committed some of these things that we just read. You know, God knows you've done it. Now you don't have to go around bragging to people about it or 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 expressing about it because God knows that you've done it so you need to confess it to him and ask him for forgiveness first and let him take away your sin and give you that place in heaven and, and it's really simple th- to do you ask and you receive you ask the Lord into your heart, Jesus Christ, His Son who died for the sins of this world, and He will come into your heart and dwell with you. But you also must walk with Him and, and, and live in obedience and faith. Faith and obedience are the two things that I like to say, the two things that tickle God. The two things that really, that really God likes is faith and obedience. And then everything else from there will just continue to build on. But you're going to have to observe his whole word, not just, a, not just a quarter of the Bible. You've got to take in the full thing to see what is what. And that's why A, a Voice in the Distance was created. It was to equip the saints to, to lead people to Christ, to, uh, to be a blessing to him and to you. But this is the greatest gift right now, the gift of salvation. If you want it, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, I want to give you the option right now to say this prayer after me, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. And just repeat after me, Dear, dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. Please forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins. Cleanse me of my sins as I now receive you in my heart as my Father, as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again, Lord. And thank you for receiving me as I now receive you. Help me to walk with you all of my days and that I will be with you in eternity when my time comes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, again, I pray that you uh, that you have said that because, that, again, that's the most important decision that you can really ever make in your life if you think about it. Salvation is the greatest gift. And then everything else that comes from there is just an add-on from Him. That's what He said. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all things will fall into place. So remember that. That, that it's His righteousness, not yours, not mine, not your pastor's, or, or, or your parents, or anybody else. God's righteousness. So, walk closely with Him. You know, talk closely with Him. And, and observe how things will go in your life. You can't go wrong that way. I'm not, I'm not uh, saying things will be perfect, but I'm just saying that it, it can at least be better. So may God be graceful and merciful to you at all times, protecting you and your family. May God bless you and watch over you. And may you walk along us here with a voice in the distance going through the Word of God. God bless and take care.